When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is a surprise. I know I said that I would be releasing a new episode every month from here on out, but I had to get one more in December. I was thinking about it and I thought that it would be really fun to try to do something for Christmas so that people could get together and listen with their families and So I was thinking about something that I could do that would be fun for all of you to listen to, and I thought about cowboy poetry. And so I'm not sure how many of you know Sean Williams, but he is the Pearl Snap Fever guy. If you have ever watched him on YouTube or if you have seen him on Facebook, he has a lot of really great um, cowboy poems that are all based off of the big outfits that he has worked at and experiences that he has had. So I thought that he fit in well with the other people that I have been talking to. Um, Western Horseman actually published one of his poems. It's called A Cowpuncher's Night Before Christmas that I really like. I thought it was fitting for this time of year. So stay tuned. He'll share that poem with us and he'll also be sharing some other experiences that he has had working on some big outfits. So he has also sent me a few pictures that I will share on my Instagram page. So if you want to stay up to date with the pictures to put a face behind the name, then follow us on Instagram at cowboystories underscore podcast. And like always, if you have thought of somebody that you would like me to talk to or you would like me to interview, then please send us an email. You can email me at cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Hope you enjoy. First of all, thanks, Sean, for agreeing to let me visit with you today. You hollered at me, always am. And I'll just tell them who I am. My name's Sean Williams, and I am a highly trained cowboy fashion reporter. Now, I have punched cows in the past most of my life and still do. And From time to time, I write a few words down that rhyme. But uh, mainly, I'm a highly trained cowboy fashion reporter. Now, you may or may not know that almost any good Western ensemble starts with, of course, a pearl snap shirt. And today, I've got on a beautiful shade of white called 12th century Egyptian porcelain. And uh, <laughs> it's a very soothing shade of white. There are 583 shades of white on the market today of white pearl snaps. Is that but a proven fact? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I am a highly trained cowboy fashion reporter. <laughs> You're going to have to take my word on it. Um, but I get called out to different ranches and different venues around the country, and I'll, uh, I'll critique the crew and try to catch everybody up on the compliance of whichever state they're in. Uh, I got back from New Mexico a couple months ago from from uh, lining out my, my good friend, Brandon Lord. He's out there working for Pete Bond, and they had a lot of trouble with guys wearing button-up shirts, cow working, and just, just causing some wrecks. And we got most of them lined out in some nice pearl snaps, pinstripes, some solids. Anyway, I, I do that kind of stuff. I'm just here to help out a little. Pearl uh, snap's the only way to go. You're doing it wrong if you don't are, have a pearl they snap. Are, they're, they're, like I said, they're the backbone of every good Western ensemble. Absolutely. They can make or break a day, whether you're having fun or punching cows. Uh, no doubt, but I've got I've got a deal I do every Thursday on Facebook called the Thursday Evening Cowboy Fashion Report, and I discuss, of course, high end Western fashion at the start, and and then I'm liable to do a poem or I'll tell a story about one of the outfits I've worked on in the past, or or we'll do some some fashion tips or things of this sort, and then I. I'm currently working with Western Horsemen. I sell them some videos, and we're working on a deal for next year. I've got two out on their Facebook page. Y'all can check that out if you get time. Uh, just go to Western Horsemen videos on, on their Western Horsemen Facebook page, and you'll find me. My latest one was published uh, the week of the NFR, so it's still up there near the very top of them, and the other one's not too far down. So, anyway, if you get... You get a chance to check that out, and and um, then I do some live performances and and uh, a few poetry deals. Uh, of course, this year everything got kind of shut down, but hopefully in the coming year, while I'll be out and about, and uh, I'm actually booking right now or trying to for next year. Hopefully, the the world will get back on track. Yeah, hopefully we can all keep our fingers crossed. And if you don't care, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to my sponsors right quick. I've got I've got some businesses and individuals that sponsor me and and been real real good to me. Uh, Mike's Custom Hats out of Longview, Texas, is one of my big sponsors, and they're some of the best handmade felt hats you get your hands on. Uh, Billy Cook Saddlery right here in Sulphur is, is one of my sponsors, and uh, they're building me a saddle right now. They're some of the best made saddles you'll find, and they are handmade, even though they're they've got a name brand, but they're all handmade. And then the uh, the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum up at Paul Huska, and also the Bucking Flamingo which is a, a store of at Paul Huska that's got just about anything you could want in it. And uh, Pennington Creek Hunting Club out of Mill Creek. Morgan Stone out of Brandon, Mississippi, does landscaping. And the Spur J Ranch right here in Salford. Willie's Beer Store out of Kitty Quay, Texas. Turkey, yep, Kitty Quay. And my good friend Scott Talbot. So uh, anyway, I thank you for the sponsorship deals. And y'all check them out if you get a chance. 
yeah, those sound like great ones to to check out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, everybody head over there and check out the sponsors lucky. that he just named. I've been lucky. You bet. Well, uh, how do you want to start this off? You want to hear a poem, Lindsay, or do you want to quiz me on some stuff? I'm pretty open to. Yeah, well, well, I guess the reason why I'm I'm so excited to have you on today with us is because I wanted to do something a little bit different, a little special for Christmas that was out of the norm of our everyday Cowboy Stories podcast. And I thought that it would be perfect if I could find a poet who knew the cowboy way of life, who understood it, and who had a sense of humor in their poetry and who could kind of relay the stories in a different way than what we're used to hearing through this podcast. So when I saw your name come up, I was super excited to reach out to you. So again, thanks for being with us today. Oh yeah. I'm tickled to death death to do it. Well, I've, uh, I've got a bunch of poems. I mean, I've got just about my only Christmas poem is, it's called the Cowpunchers Night Before Christmas, and uh, I wrote it three years ago on Christmas Eve, early one morning. And uh, last year, Western Horsemen published it in their magazine during their Christmas edition, and and uh, my good friend Mike Capron out of Sheffield, Texas, he's a He's a cowpuncher, and he's also a professional artist. He's like the modern-day Will James, and uh, he did an original watercolor for me, and it, he got a two-page spread in Western Horseman. I was real lucky about that. Oh, cool. And uh, and he also illustrated my book, which is called Where the Wind Always Blows, and this poem is in this book, and it's available on Amazon, or or you can contact me through my Facebook page, Pearl Snap Fever, or my personal page, either one, and, and get signed copies for $20 a piece. And just the artwork alone is worth the money. And I've got 34 original poems and cowboy stories, and including this Christmas poem. But, uh, but you yeah, mind I'll sharing that Christmas poem with us? Yeah, I'll start out with it. You bet. You bet. Bear with me. I've been a little bit under the weather, but I think I can hack it out. <laughs> it's called a cowpuncher's night before christmas Twas the night before christmas and all the ponies had been fed i was trying to choke down a few beans before bed but my belly was churning it just wouldn't sit still it was going to be a long night i could tell because in my string of horses there's one called saint nick and thinking about riding him sometimes made me sick well, old Flipper'd come in with a front leg dragging last fall during shipping when we was out on the wagon. St. Nick was an extra in the outfits for Muda, and every time you got on him, he'd give a gift to you. That gift was a bronc ride, and I don't mean no hopping. He was sin-covered lightning that'd get your ears to popping. Now, St. Nick liked the buck, but that wasn't all. He'd kick you and bite you, and he was sure bad to fall. But the boss cut him to me. That's just part of the deal. Old Flipper got turned out for the winter to heal. Well, I thought it was kind of funny. It was St. Nick's turn to go with me checking heifers the next day in the snow. 
So I lay in my bedroll with the fireplace cracking. I had terrible nightmares about my poor neck snapping. I woke up at midnight again at 2.30. I thought, I'll go saddle St. Nick up a little early. I'll set him to soak with them cinches pulled tight. Come daybreak, that'll help take out some of the fight. Well, I got him saddled out there in the dark. It was kind of like hand-feeding breadcrumbs to a shark. I came back inside to wash the blood off my head and see how much of my white shirt turned red. I laid down again. Maybe now I could rest. He was still going to try me, but maybe not with his best. Well, I just closed my eyes when I heard such a racket. I stumbled out of bed and put on my denim jacket. I thought, maybe it's time I quit punching cattle. He's probably flipped over and tore up my saddle. As I walked to the horse pens, the moon lit the stage, and the icicles shone bright on the high desert sage. Out there in the big pen on a fresh carpet of white, my eyes took in the most amazing wild sight. St. Nick was making a wide, crooked leap with a pot-bellied feller sitting up there in the seat. Well, he throwed him his head with one hand in the air, and St. Nick touched the ground and growled like a bear. Well, I'll tell you, in my life, boys, I've sure seen some rides. But I thought that critter would buck out of his hide. He'd jump sideways while he chewed on a foot as a red fuzzy jacket popped out chimney soot. He'd show you his belly and stand on his head. I noticed the fat feller's cheeks turning red. Well, St. Nick finally winded and throwed his head up. He started licking his lips like an old gentle pup. Well, the rider stepped down to hand me the reins, and I noticed in his mouth a broken candy cane. Well, that's when it hit me. My mind started to click. I just watched St. Nick ride old St. Nick. Then I noticed his team and his little red sleigh. His reindeers were the hobbled eating some of my hay. He said, Merry Christmas. Hope that present will do. I knocked some of the rough off that old pony for you. Then he buttoned his jacket and limped on away. Then hobbled his reindeers and climbed in his sleigh. And I heard him exclaim as he headed her back north. I ain't never seen nothing. Buck like that horse. <laughs> That's a good one. I was having a hard time not laughing as you were <laughs> going along with that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I guess another reason why why I was excited to talk to you too was because you have been just looking on your website on the Pearl Snap Fever on your your story. It sounds like you've been across a bunch of different big outfits, and those are kind of the people that I like to talk to anyway, but you said you have yes, some, some poems and stuff that you wrote to go along with those big outfits. I do. I've got several, and and uh, almost every outfit I've at is a story in itself if a person could articulate, you know, the six. I, I usually stayed anywhere from six months to ten months when I was single, and then 
stayed at some camps longer on when I got married. But yeah, the stories are golden, and and uh, usually uh, my favorite poems are the ones that the real stories. And I've I've got several of them, and then I've got some that that uh, just derive from experiences of myself and what I've heard too through the years, and and uh like i said there's 34 of them in this in my first book and i've got every intention of of putting out several more so we'll see where that goes i i've got a lot of them memorized but some of my some of my newer ones i still don't i'm gonna look through the book here read y'all read y'all one of my one of my favorites i think uh Let's see. Well, this one's called... This one's called Wetter. And it comes from when I was out there at the ORO, the ROs out there in Arizona in the fall of 92. And actually, the, the fall wagon stayed out till the 27th of January of 93 that year because it was... To my knowledge, one of the wettest years in history out there, one of the wettest winters. Uh, wow. They had, some, they had some major flooding down in southern Arizona in the desert. Well, we did too. It flooded almost the whole state, but uh, they lost some major bridges and structures, power lines. But we were we were camped at Francis Creek there at Darrow's and, and – uh, we ended up staying out 27 days, that that segment of it, without ever coming in. And usually, you got to come in every couple of weeks, and and uh, you're supposed to shoe your horses up, but we always did that after work. So if we was anywhere close to headquarters, well, we'd jump in the cold shower and then run to Whiskey Row. So <laughs> anyway, I'll do this one. It's, uh, it's called Wetter. Well, living in that western air and sleeping on the ground where the javelinas hump the horny toads and the jackalopes abound. When the sun's a-hanging way down low and the evening's crisp and clear, well, it's so romantically majestic, sometimes you'll shed a tear. When there ain't no clouds above you and the stars are shining bright, makes you wonder about them folks, thinks they need a roof over their head at night. Well, such was a carefree life one fall for the R.O. crew and me. We'd curl up in our dry beds at night, deep inside our dry teepees. We was almost done with shipping. We liked about a week. It was January 2nd. We was camped at Francis Creek. One day we heard some thunder and the sky turned cold and gray. By supper, we had decided that it would just rain all day. We woke up to a wet breakfast and we realized it rained all night. But there weren't no need for griping. We was all wet, but we was all right. We had to walk across the creek to catch a fresh wet horse. There weren't no way around it. It was our only course. We kind of got our ankles soaked, but it weren't no kind of bad. We throwed our muddy saddles on our muddy saddle pads. Then we trotted back to camp that day, and, well, it was raining still. And when we crossed back to the wagon... The tops of our boots got filled. That water, it kept a-falling. There just weren't no dry in sight. 
to have tried to cross that little stream would have been a terrible fight. Yeah, Francis Creek was boiling and rising mighty fast. It was snapping trees like toothpicks and rolling boulders past. There was pieces of Mahone Mountain out there swirling around and floating scaly islands where whole schools of fish had drowned. It rained and rained for days and days. It just wouldn't ever end. We sat on the bank between wet mills, watching it come around the bend. Now, how cold kept the cook fire hot is still a mystery to me. Dutch oven biscuits in a flood is really something to see. He had a pet road runner that started living up under the fly. It was stand at Cole's feet, eating scraps, trying to keep its feathers dry. Old Cole sure enough liked that bird. He said it weren't no pain. Then he'd tell us, get the hell out of the way. Go eat your beans in the rain. Well, it rained and rained and rained and rained. Everything was wet. Everywhere you walked, everywhere you stood, everywhere you sat. The rain went on for days, then weeks. It just wouldn't get any better. At first, we got as wet as possible. Then we just got wetter. Well, I still think about them soggy days when I was young and wild and single. But now I think about it sitting in my easy chair, listening to the rain roll off the shingles. (laughs) I sure don't miss them days any, I guarantee you. I know a lot of people are still living it. Yeah. Thing. You well, I don't know about you guys, but we should we could sure use a a rain like that in our yeah. It's getting dry here. It's we had a pretty good year all in all, but uh, of course every time it starts drying out, why well, you need another one, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all y'all are in pretty bad shape out there, huh? Yeah, it's been dry for quite a while. Well, I hate to hear that. I, I've got some friends out there and in Arizona, and I think it's kind of same deal. Same deal out there. I try to keep in touch with them. Yeah. Uh, how did you get? How did you start working on the ROs? Well, I tried to see as much country as I could. Like I said, when I was younger, and and that was back before cell phones. So you know, you had to just bow up and go out there, and uh, I I. Spent six months up at Binion's up north of Jordan, Montana, in Garfield County. And uh, and got Ted Binion fired me while I was up there. That's a story in itself. And uh, <laughs> I uh, they worked a little bit around there, around Jordan. And then I, I wanted a job at the Grand Canyon. I always wanted to do them mule rides. And then I wanted to work at the RO for the Diamond Ace, one of them big outfits out there. And so I called the Grand Canyon. I couldn't get a hold of nobody at our old because, like I said, they didn't have cell phones and no way to get a hold of them. So I, I hired on the North Rim and worked there a few months. And had all, I had a hell of a time, but it was time to do something else. So I just left the Grand Canyon, the North Rim, and went down there and, and found our old headquarters and asked old Pat for a job. And... That's still the best job interview I ever got in my life. Really? I was sitting there, I was sitting there in the bunkhouse. I'd been there three or four hours. And uh, 
the cook was there and he was a dumb ass. I'll say so myself, but anyway, he was there. But <laughs> Pat finally showed up about dark and I was sitting there on the couch and he walked in there and Pat's a little bit short feller, about five five and and he, he had a rep he's a legend, cow punching world. He was even when he's alive and he said, What can I do for you? I said, Well, I was gonna see about a job, I guess. He said, where have you worked? I said, Forks, Bells, Benjamin, several smaller outfits. He said, you got your bed and saddle? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'll be here at 2.30 to pick you up. <laughs> Turn around and walked off. Didn't scare us money, I had nothing. I did the best, best job interview I ever had in my life. <laughs> trade nothing for them days that unit is a lot of fun I, let's see I, I'm going to do another one this time this this story really happened and <clears throat> I still don't know if they were in cahoots or if Pat just missed it but Pat Pat was the wagon boss when I was out there Nick said he was in his 70s and he'd come out and go a day or two with us, but he wouldn't hardly start the wagon anymore at that point. And uh, Cole Morehouse jiggered the east side of the ranch, and Cisco Scott jiggered the west side. He had he had my home camp, which just kind of on the south side of the ranch. And then Cole had sandstone, which is on kind of the northeast side. And, and Cole, he passed away <clears throat> several years ago. But me and him got <clears throat> real tight. And uh, and me and Cisco did too, but they's all good fellers. But uh, back then at the wagon, they had about a hundred head saddle horses. And when you caught horses of the morning and evening, when you get your rope off your saddle and hand it to the next guy, and you made a circle out there, and the horse wrangler drive the horses in, you'd call out what you wanted, and they'd catch them. You be the jigger boss, then the wagon boss, or the jigger boss, and the next guy down would catch horses. And uh, I had a horse wrangler out there at that fall named Strawberry. It was his nickname. His name was Jim Dixon. And he was quite a character. He uh, he was a professional bronc rider back in the 60s. And at the time I was out there, all Strawberry owned was a 79 station wagon, a bed and saddle, a couple pairs of boots, and a couple pairs of jeans and clothes. <laughs> and he had a TP in a bedroll. <clears throat> when the wagon wasn't out, in the spring and the fall, and he wasn't—he was either cooking, hooting, or horse wrangling one of them wagons, Diamond A, Double O's, R.O.s. On off season, the Black Cat Bar would let him pitch his teepee behind there in an old vacant lot. Really? And that's where he'd live. <laughs> yeah, and he's, uh, he's always reading. He's always reading. He uh, Always had some knowledge, some useless knowledge about something that he wanted to share with you from baking cookies to knitting. He had, he did, he had read books about whatever was out there on that wagon. He'd read them books. So anyway, I thought I'd set that story up a little bit and and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited called, to hear this one. Yeah, this is called shoe and shotgun. Well, the RO 
mid-November, cedar berries were on the ground. We have halfway through a good fall works. Weather had been fairly sound. The wagon was camped at cabin by a little dirt tank and some pins, sitting right next to the horse pasture that backed up the Burr Creek Rim. That old ranch was built in rough country, rough as any I'd ever been in. If the oak brush wasn't choking you down, the cat paw was ripping your skin. Now, the rocks at the ROs are famous. Them malapies really do thrive. They eat boots and horseshoes to stay healthy. I really believe they was alive. The day before, I crippled old preacher. My scalp thorns stuck him real bad. Now I was out of drive horse, and out there you needed all you had. I told Pat about my situation, how I was short-run mount. I told him how that thorn stuck the hairline and old preacher was down for the count. Well, Pat told me I could have shotgun, so I called for him that evening. Shoo. Cole was helping Pat catch horses, so I know damn well that he knew. Well, Pat let out a little brown horse with a small white star between his eyes. Cole walked by me, never said a word. So I guess straight up he didn't lie. When we were done catching horses, I let old shotgun over to a tree. Got out my rasp and nippers, pulled my leggings up over my knees. Now, Strawberry was there wrangling horses, and that evening had nothing to do. So he gets down from old shotgun and proceeds to tell me how to shoe. Now, you want to be careful, he says, to get them toes good and flat. As I dodged a front foot from shotgun, who damn near took off my hat. Now, if you want to improve on your golf swing, strawberry blew some smoke in the air. Don't drop your elbow when you come around, or your ball will just never get there. Well, you can't pull his foot out in front of him, he said, as I got pawed to the ground. You're going to fool around and spoil him. That old pony's as gentle as a hound. Where'd you learn to tie a foot up? Don't look like that'll ever hold. I don't think if you get better at this shoeing, boy, that you're going to ever grow old. Well, I finally got four shoes on shotgun. Strawberry stayed hooked all the way. I told old shotgun to Mars payback for treating me so hard today. I called the shotgun early next morning, and Pat led him right up to me. Four new shoes are shining for all the crew to see. Well, Cole started to walk by me, but he stopped right at Shotgun's nose. Cole's eyes searched all over Shotgun, from his withers down to his toes. Cole's eyes searched over his backbone and all the way down off his hip, slowly around to the other side till he ended back up by his lips. Cole growled, Okie, you sure this is your horse? I stammered for something to say. Well, Pat told me this was shotgun, so I put shoes on him yesterday. Cole growls, this is old Hershey, and he's kind of hard to shoe. But thank you for getting them on him. It's a job I was dreading to do. Old shotgun's that long, lanky brown horse with the other small star between his eyes. He ought to be a little easier to shoe, but sometimes he lopes kind of high. Well, I thank Cole for the info as I watched him lead Hershey away, walking tall on them new shoes of shining. 
that me and Strawberry put on him that day. That really happened. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know if them two made a bet or got together, or if it was a sheer accident. But anyway, he, he let me do it, and he told me damn well I was shooting his horse when I was getting pawed in the head. You got the short end of that deal. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. I think later on, Colby bought a fifth of whiskey or a case of beer for the whole crew to pay me back. I don't know, but it was it was quite a deal. It was quite a deal. Oh, well, it makes yeah. for a good story. <laughs> Old Cole is a book in itself. Ed Ashurst, good friend of mine out of Arizona, he's, Ed's got 10 books out right now. If you ever get a chance to read Ed's books, they are the I real I think my deal. dad has one, and I've read one, and they, they're they pretty cool. I've read some of the stories oh, in it, and they're way cool. You bet. He's a, I got to meet Ed year before last, Amarillo, and he's, he's wanted to help me get my book published uh He's he's a super good guy and a cowpuncher. He run the Diamond A's for years and and he worked on the Babbage, but he's got he's got some cold stories too. Anybody out there that's punched cows has got a has got a cold story or two. I've still got a good friend out there that kind of manages part of the Diamond Aid and some other ones, uh Beano Kimball. And uh, he was there with us that year. But oh there's Gosh, I could talk for hours just just about that fall in Arizona, and among other things, I I can end up rambling for way too long. <laughs> yeah. Did you work on the Diamond Day at all? No, I didn't. I probably couldn't rode them horses back then. My goodness, they had a reputation. They had they had some old pitching son of a gun back then. Uh, <laughs> matter of fact, when I left ROs after that fall works. Most of the crew went to the Diamond Age for spring works, and and uh, one of my best friends, Barney Prosser, he was raised on the Diamond Age. His dad, Pat Prosser, and he he either got farted off or had a horse fall with him, and and uh, he I'm pretty sure he died twice out there on the Cataract Plains before the help oh, got there. They they brought him back, but they they've kind of toned it down now. I think the, most of these outfits nowadays you you're not going to go. Hardly find one that's got them old rank bad horses like yeah. some of them used to have, you know, and which is good or bad, they make good stories and I know we worked at Hope Brothers there one winter and they had a reputation and and mostly them horses were just sorry, but ninety percent of them would would do something in the morning you didn't like. And yeah. you just you just got on them and rode them. I mean that's you just did your job. I think that's the difference now. A lot of it. I'm not. I'm not cussing nobody. How they do nothing, but used to with them outfits, especially if you're a single guy. You you showed up at one, and they cut you a string of horses, and you just did your job on them. Most of them were older horses, and they had their quirks. And yeah, if you wanted to train on one all day, you could have probably picked some of them, but that's not what they were there for. I mean, good or bad, you you use them as a tool to gather cattle and you enjoyed the good ones and you got by the bad ones and you left them the hell alone, did your job on them. And that's just the yeah. way it was. And I think that's kind of a difference. Now you hear a lot of them kids talking how, how damn sorry they are. And, and, uh, uh, back then, if they'd give me a loop, hell, I didn't really care if they did anything else a lot of times, but it's, it's different. The, the cowboy deal has gotten so famous 
a lot of people have gotten so famous and it's so prestigious. Everybody thinks they've got to be on a, a, a just a badass hanging any spin around left and right and slide to the stop and watch the cow and do everything perfect. And that damn sure wasn't what them old Ramuda horses were about. There's always a few good ones usually and and a lot of just horses and then some some ones you just had to get your job done on. So to me, it's a little bit different, but I, that's just the nature of things. They change. Yeah. I sure love telling the stories, and I, I love even more listening to them every chance I get. And yeah, I'm me a, too. I think that's what that's what made me decide to start this podcast was just listening to the stories growing up that I was able to hear and wanting to hear more cool. stories. I I think that it's important to kind of keep the older history and the lifestyle alive and going. And so that's kind of my motivation between my motivation for, for starting this in the first place and for wanting to talk to people. So I think that's a wonderful idea. It's so important to keep the heritage of it alive. And, uh, and you know, another deal I've noticed that a lot of these kids nowadays can't take criticism. And, when I was a young pup, when, when you went to an outfit and you were 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, and I don't care, you, you might have thought you could do one or two things and you may be better than everybody else or something. I always thought I could rope. I grew up roping in the arena and I loved to rope, but you you couldn't be too humble to take an ass to and them old guys that give them to you. You know, I don't care if you're flanking calves, dragging calves, holding herd. Uh, and that's how you learn. And, yeah. and now they, uh, a lot of these kids get offended, seems like. You know, you, I, I show up anymore at some of these brandings, and I'm the oldest one there. And and I got to realize that if nobody's going to chew these kids' ass out, they ain't never going to learn it. They're not going to learn the right way to. Like, you don't, you know, down there punching cows, like especially in Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, and a lot of places up here, even in Oklahoma. Uh, usually you've got two two guys dragging and two sets of flankers on one on each side of the fire and you you don't you stipulate which side of the fire you're gonna to drag to and that's what you that's the side you drag to all day long or as long as you drag calves and and it's it's cow puncher etiquette for one thing, but there's safety reasons too. That way you don't get rim fired, crossed over, mixed up and it and it just it makes sense. And if you didn't do it you got your ass chewed out. And rightly so. And I've done it. And that's just that's just one of the things I'm talking about. And yeah, and uh, yeah. I just think some of that's missing nowadays, and it's a shame. And I'm sure it's still there at some places. But if you don't teach them when they're young, you're gonna you're gonna lose some of that. That's so important. That's been that way a long time for reasons. And. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think about that stuff. I care about it. I I really, really, really care about it so much. It, and it's always fun. I've worked with some of the best crews ever put together, and we always had fun. And you you come to breakfast with your hammer cocked, ready for ready for social battle, and everything was fair game from your hairstyle to your eyebrows to your whatever <laughs> clothes you had on, uh, something you might said the day before. Uh, you might have got a st- 
stick jobbed in your eye and, you know, just get poured out sympathy. You know, are you over <laughs> well up today? Can you see enough to eat? You need me to scramble them eggs? <laughs> you know, it's something every day, and, and I hope that I hope that is still going on a lot of places because that's what made it. On that note about messing with each other, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one short story. Okay, about perfect. About me and Clay Walden and how much the, the comic stuff mattered to these crews, to all of us. Uh, Clay, one of my best friends, we was helping, we was helping Spades. They used to have a Cherokee country lease there on the Prairie Dog Town Fork of the Red at the mouth of the Paladura. And, and my God, we'd been together a month or so, all of us, whole crew, and it, and uh, they get, they dropped me and Clay off together on a ridge on this feed road one morning, and and we were unmerciful to each other all the time, constantly. And we were both on little three-year-old broncs that might have had 20 saddles together on them, and they were both dinks. And we got to yaya on each other about which one was sorrier. And I said, well, yours could outrun mine by by." three damn lengths with a cast on his leg torn, you know, and just back and forth. He said, this somebody can't outrun me drunk. And pretty soon we was racing down this speed road with these two cross-loping, sorry-ass dink Bronx. And we was going <laughs> just as fast as them two no-running suckers could run. And about 50 yards up ahead on this this ridge is kind of clear for the most part with cedars on both sides, but there's a little scrub cedar there. And about 50 yards away, Old corn bronc just zeroes in on his little scrub cedar and just runs plumb off. And right as he gets to that tree, he stops on his front end and throws his nose to the ground. And Clay's a handy bronc rider. He, I've seen him ride some rank boogers. And, and he just slips over them swells like he had wet butter on his leggings and flips over <laughs> and lands on his back on the other side of that cedar tree, still holding the reins. And I just died laughing. I was sitting there on my bronc and I rode up to him and I'm laughing so hard I have tears in my eyes and and I rode right up to him and I looked down there and he he can't he's not breathing. He's just gasping his eyes are he got big eyes anyway, like fish. And he's <laughs> staring at me and he can't breathe. So I get off of him and I walk down there and and uh I'm staring at him, I said, That gun clay, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have never laughed at you if I'd known you was hurt. And he finally gets his wind. He says, "It's okay. You are his life. I'm fine." <laughs> I don't know why I think it's funny, but that's just the way we did things. Uh, long as nobody died right then, while it was all in good fun. Yeah. I hope it's still like that a lot of places. Yeah. I hope it is. But. <laughs> We well, all are you can't laugh at it. on Amazon or or call me. My phone number is on my web on my on my Facebook page and and you and can call me. And that's Pearl Snap Fever, correct? Pearl Snap Fever, yes, ma'am. That that's my Facebook page and my YouTube page. But it's easier to contact me through my Facebook page. And okay, uh, I also sell caps and and stuff like that that have pearl snap fever on them and uh working on some other stuff and and if you if you're a part of a a cattle association or an insurance company 
anything that has a, a banquet during the summer or near the end of the year next year, I am booking engagements to do stand-up and just my fashion stuff and then my poetry and cowboy stories is what it is. And, and we can negotiate a real reasonable price for that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're looking for it right now. I've got a promo video I can send you if I need to. That kind of shows okay. similar to what I do. And uh, if anybody's interested in something like that, well, please feel free to contact me. Perfect. Yeah, he. It, it's been so nice to talk to you. You've been so generous and so kind, and your stories are great. So thank well, you again I'll for agreeing to do it. this. Anytime, anytime. I've really enjoyed meeting you, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks. Well, y'all keep snapping. Y'all keep snapping and have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, that concludes our Christmas episode for the Cowboy Stories. I hope you enjoyed Sean's poetry and stories as much as I did. And like I said, you can follow him on Facebook. Just search Pearl Snap Fever, or you can also find him on YouTube, or he has his own website, pearlsnapfever.com. But check him out. Make sure you check out that book. I think it's something that is definitely worth, worth buying and having in your home. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.